in Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. It's always a lamp unto our feet. It's always a light unto our path. And I thank you today, Father, that your word is quick and it's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And so, Father, I pray that your word will go through the airwaves. It will go through the internet. It will go through the computers and land into our hearts. And I step back now so the Spirit of God can use me to utter a word that will give us insight, that will encourage us, and that will change us into your image from glory to glory. And so, Lord, I declare today that signs, miracles, and wonders are going to follow our lives as a result of your word. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Let everybody at home say amen. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. So today, Christians all over the world are celebrating and have set aside this time to celebrate the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, I just want you to give Jesus a hand clap right there at your home. Come on, do it right there in your home. Praise the Lord. And today, uh, I'm going to talk about something that I've never really taught in a focused way. And so if you're taking notes, my message title, and I'm going to give you a title, and then I'm going to give you a subtitle. My original title was The Power of the Veil. But my uh, subtitle is By Invitation Only. By Invitation Only. See, when Jesus gave up his life, something powerful happened that changed the way you and I access God. And so listen, his sinless death that he, that he experienced created a new way for you and I to have fellowship and intimacy with God. And so I pray that the word today is going to encourage you, but also motivate you to stay in fellowship with God. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to do two verses of scripture. We're going to Matthew chapter 27. We're going to look in verse 46, and then we're going to go to Exodus chapter 23, verses 33. That was Matthew 27, 46, and Exodus 23, verses 33. I have three points. Everybody say three points. I have three points today, and if you'll get these three points, I believe it'll change your life. So here's point number one if you're taking notes, and that is the veil created separation. The veil created separation. In Matthew chapter 27, verse 46, what I want to do is kind of give you an outline of what was going on. Jesus was in his last days on the earth. He was actually on the cross at this particular time. And so that's the background of what we're about to read. So we pick up the story in verse 46 in Matthew chapter 27, and it says, About the ninth hour, say the ninth hour, about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, I don't want to have to say the rest. Lada Masati. Sounds like tongues, don't it? But anyway, and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Look at verse 47. He says, some of them that stood there when they heard that said, watch this, this man calls for Elias. And straightway one of them ran and they took the sponge that was filled with vinegar and they put it on a reed and they gave it to him to drink. And then verse 49 says, and the rest said, let be, let us see whether Elias will come and save him. 
The Bible says in verse 50, Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, he gave up or he yielded up the ghost. Watch this now. Verse 51 is what I want you to see. It says, and behold, watch this now, the veil of the temple. The word veil could also be curtained. The curtain or the veil that was in the temple was torn or rent in twain from the top. I want you to pay attention to this now, to the bottom. And then the earth did quake and the rocks did rent. Now I'm going to read that last verse in the New Living Translation. It says this. Then Jesus shouted again and released his spirit. And at that moment, watch this now, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two, watch this now, from the top to the bottom. So I have done my best to help illustrate this because this is very, very important, especially at the end of the message when you will see that it is a veil that keeps us back from allowing God to work in our life. So this right here represents the veil that was in the temple, okay? And the Bible says in that last verse that this veil, when Jesus gave up his spirit, when he died on the cross, the Bible says that the veil was torn from the top to the bottom. Now, if a man were to tear the, uh, this whole veil then it would have been from the bottom to the top because the top was much higher than our ceiling. It was a real tall uh, uh, veil. But the Bible says it was torn from the top to the bottom, which represents now that it was God that tore the veil. Now, before I begin to explain what the veil is and what it was meant, let me just explain this uh, because this, this, this veil was mentioned two times in the Bible. It was mentioned in, well, three times, including this one. Mark chapter 15, verse 38, if you want to take notes, and Luke chapter 23, verse 45. Now, that's important because anytime you see something more than once in Scripture, you know, the Bible tells us that, you know, we can hear something one time, but when we hear, hear it more than once in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let it be established. So this story was actually mentioned in the Bible three times. So let's look at what this veil did, okay? Because I think it'll help us appreciate why we're celebrating what we call Easter. I call it Resurrection Discovery Day. Why? Because this is the day that they discovered that Jesus had resurrected. So now we're going to go to Exodus chapter 26, verse 33. And if you are a scholar, this will help you with some study material. Okay? Exodus chapter 26, verse 33 says this. It says, And you shall hang up. Now, it's talking about the veil that was in the temple or the tabernacle. He says, You shall hang up this veil under the tatches, that you may bring it here within the veil, the ark of the testimony. Watch this next part. And the veil, everybody say the veil. And the veil, here we go, that veil, watch this now, shall divide unto you between the holy place and the most holy. So let's demonstrate this. What he's saying is the veil that was in the temple, it was set up where on one side of the veil was the most holy place. And then on this side of the veil was the holy place. Now I'm going to describe to you and explain the difference, okay? So this curtain separated the holy place from the most holy place. And the holy place, watch this now, is where the priest mostly served from. 
So when we're talking about the priests serving in the temple, they were serving from the holy place, okay? But the most holy place, say the most holy place. Let's keep it right here. The most holy place is where the priests served, but the most holy place, the, the holy place is where the priests served. The most holy place is where God's presence was. Now, I'm going to read now Hebrews chapter 9 out of the NIV version because this side which we're going to say represents the most holy place, this is the side where the presence of God was. And I'm going to show you that on that side of the veil, it was by invitation only. You just didn't decide to go on that side of the veil. Now watch Hebrews chapter 9. I'm reading out of the NIV version. It says, Now the first covenant had regulations for worship. And also an earthly sanctuary. Listen now. A tabernacle was set up. That's that's where they worship God. Watch this now. In its first room were the lampstands and the table and the consecrated bread. And this was called the holy place. This is where the priests were to operate from, right? And then it says, behind the second curtain was a room called the most holy place. Watch the description. When everything had been arranged like this, the priest entered regularly, say regularly, they entered regularly into the outer room or the holy place to carry on their ministry. Watch verse 7. But only, say only, only the high priest entered into the inner room or the most holy place. That's important because, listen, there were two types of priests. You had regular priests who ministered in, you know, the holy place or holy place. But then you had high priest and the high priest were the only ones that could minister and come on this side but even with that being the case they had to come by invitation only so watch this now the holy place is where the priest or the high priest was now i'm getting ahead of myself but i want you to know that jesus became our high priest so Jesus had the criteria to be able to go to the other side, which is the, the holiest of holies, which is the presence of God. So watch this now. I'm going to read Leviticus chapter 16 out of the NIV version because the holy place is where the priests did their everyday service, but the most holy place was by invitation only. And this typically happened once a year on the Day of Atonement. That's what they called it. So it says here now in Leviticus 16, The Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron who had died when they approached the Lord. Oh my God. So Aaron had two sons and these guys decided, we're just going to go on this side over here. Well, uh, the Bible says here that uh, they had died after they tried to approach the Lord. So listen to what it says in verse 2. The Lord said to Moses, Tell your brother Aaron not to come whenever he chooses to come into the most holy place behind the curtain in front of the atonement cover of the ark or else he is going to die because I will appear in a cloud over the atonement cover. So listen, the veil or the curtain separated man from God. Everybody say the veil separated man from God. He wanted man to enter his presence, but it was by invitation only. Now, watch this now. I'm just going to put this in as a, as, a, as a bonus. Even when the Ark of the Covenant traveled, 
Remember now, they used to dwell in a temporary tabernacle. They were like us. They had to set up and break down. So there were times that the ark that was in the tabernacle, they had to tear everything down and they had to travel with it. Well, even when this ark or the presence of God, when it was traveling, even the veil at that point covered the presence. This is now in the New King James Version of Numbers chapter 4. I'm going to read verse 1. It says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, and I'm skipping down now to verse 4, This is the service of the sons of Kohath. This is what he wanted these sons of Kohat to do. In the tabernacle of meeting, relating to the most holy things. So he's talking about the most holy things. Watch verse 5. When the camp prepares to journey. In other words, when we get ready to pack our stuff up, we got to take the presence of God with us. He says, listen, when you get ready to journey, Aaron and his sons shall come, and they, nobody else now, and they shall take down the covering of the veil, and watch this, and cover the ark of the testimony with it. So watch this, even when the ark was traveling, God had this veil to cover his presence. Can you see how important the veil was back in those days? So the veil or the curtain played a major role. And here's the one role that I want you to see because it, it changes. It, it separated man from God. Everybody say the veil created separation. Here's point number two. And that is Jesus became the new veil. Okay? The first thing is the veil separated God from man. The second point is Jesus became the new veil. And what I'm about to do is explain what makes Easter or Resurrection Discovery Day. We're going to see what makes it so special because what we're about to see now is that Jesus became the veil. And that's why the previous veil in the temple was torn from the top down. Because here's why. This new veil, remember, they used to go behind that curtain to experience the presence of God. And they would have, the Day of Atonement, one day a year, they would go behind the curtain by invitation only. And they would have to take an animal to sacrifice for their sins. Well, now, Jesus becomes the veil. So when he died on the cross, the moment he died, and that veil got torn from the top down, it had to be torn because Jesus now becomes the veil. Watch this now. Hebrews chapter 10, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. Because this new way, this new veil required the blood of Jesus. Now, it says in Hebrews chapter 10, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. Verse 11, uh, verse 1 says, the old system, say the old system. The old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow or a dim preview of the good things to come. Not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under that system, the old system were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. If they could, they would have uh, provided perfect cleansing, then the sacrifices would not would have been stopped. In other words, what he's saying is, the blood of bulls and goats, when they were being sacrificed back in the old system, he said if that was fine, then they would have never had to do that again. But then it goes on to say, in verse uh, 2, uh, it would have provided perfect cleansing and sacrifices would have stopped. For the worshipers would have been purified once and for all and their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. Watch the next verse. But instead, those sacrifices actually reminded them of their sins from year to year. For it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. That is why when Christ came into the world, he said to God, 
you did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings, but you have given me a body to offer. You were not pleased with burnt offerings or other offerings of sin. Then Jesus said, look, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written about me in the scriptures. First, Christ said, you did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings or burnt offerings or other offerings for sin, nor were you pleased with them, though they were required by the law of Moses. Watch verse 9. Then he said, look, I have come to do your will. And listen, this cancels the first covenant in order to put the second one into effect. Verse 10 says, for God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Christ. Watch this. Once and for all. Watch verse 11 and I'm going to explain something. Verse 11 says, Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which never took away the sins. Verse 12. But our high priest, notice I told you Jesus was our high priest. Our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins. Good. Watch this. For all times. Oh my God. Listen, that's why the Catholic Church has got it wrong. You don't need a priest to go discuss your sins with. No, no, no. You need to go to a high priest named Jesus Christ. Listen, Jesus is the high priest. And that's why it tells us we need to go to him and confess our sins. Why? Because he's faithful and just to forgive us for our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. A regular priest in the natural cannot do that. They can listen to your sins, but they can't forgive you of them. Ooh, this is good stuff right here. So watch this now. When Jesus died, his flesh became the new veil and his blood gave us access to God's presence. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 16, it says, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and into their minds will I write them. And their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. Now, where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Verse 19 says, having therefore, brethren, watch this now, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Let's stop there because I'm going to explain what he's saying. He's saying, you and I, we have boldness to come into the holiest of holies. Why? Because we have the blood of Jesus that has been shed that qualified us to be here. In other words... All I have to do to get into the presence of God is to apply the blood. Watch verse 20. By a new and living way, which he has consecrated for us, watch this, through the veil, that is to say his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God. So you and I can enter God's presence anytime we get ready. Why? Because the blood of Jesus Christ gave us access. The veil in the tabernacle, watch this now, I want you to get this. The veil in the tabernacle originally kept us from God. However, this new veil, Jesus, now allows us to have God's presence with us. So, here's the third point. Because, see, there's another veil that I haven't told you about. See, the first veil, you had to be by invitation only to go into the presence. So, Jesus dies... This veil gets torn down. So now the only way to get into the presence now is by the blood of Jesus Christ. But there's another veil that most of the time we don't talk about. 
And this veil keeps us from being in God's presence. Or watch this, let me say it like this. It keeps God from being in our presence. The only way that God can enter your life, watch this now, is through your heart. The Bible says, for with the heart man believes, right? And he can only come into your heart when you give him permission. Let me break this down. The only way for God to come to you is through your heart. The Bible says, for with the heart we believe, right? So the only way God's going to come in is through our hearts. Watch this this now. But the only way he has access to our heart is through our permission. In other words, it's through our wills that we let him in. So in essence, the only veil that is keeping God from entering into our lives is our hearts, and our hearts are controlled by our wills. So listen, 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 listen. The reason unbelievers are not saved, it's not because Jesus has not done their part, his part. They now have to remove the veil of their will to let him in. Revelation chapter 3 verse 20 says this. Behold, this is Jesus talking. He says, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. And he says, if any man hear my voice and open the door. Notice now, you can hear his voice and not open the door. Because, you know, some of us treat Jesus like this new doorbell service. You know, they got this new ring where, you know, you taped on video. So even if you're not home, it reminds you on your phone and says somebody's at your door and you can respond by saying, we're not here, right? Well, some of us, Jesus is ringing the doorbell and, uh, or he's knocking on the door. We're looking through the peephole and we see it's Jesus and we go, oh, I'm not ready for Jesus right now. Watch this though. He says, if any man, I stand at the door and knock, if any man hear my voice, and open the door. I will come into him. And I will sup with him. And he with me. So watch this. Jesus only comes into places he's invited. You know why he's not in the schools no more? We kicked him out. He can only be in the place he's invited. And watch this. I want you to see something now. The very thing. I'm talking about man's will now. The very thing that got man out of God's will. Is the very thing now that God wants to use for us to get back into his will. And that's our will. And here's the question that I have. Have you opened up your heart? Have you yielded your will over to Jesus? Now you may say, well, Pastor Evan, I'm already saved. So how does this message apply to me? Here's my question. You know, your life, your life has many doors. You know, you got your financial door. You got your marital door, your single door, you got your family door, you got your, uh, your uh, entrepreneur door if you have a business, you know, you have your uh, occupation door. In other words, there are several areas in our life. And here's the thing though, have you ever invited somebody over to your house and, and you didn't want them in no other area of your, your house? So you know you took them over to the clean spot. Or let's say your whole house is clean, but you know this is your nosy neighbor. How many got a nosy neighbor? Come on, raise your hand if you got a nosy neighbor, right? If you don't have your hand up, you, you might be the nosy neighbor. But anyway, listen, listen. <laughs> you sit them over in that corner, and you don't want them to see no more of your house. They don't know what your bedroom look like. They don't know what your bathrooms look like. They don't know what your guest room look like. They don't even know what your kitchen look like. You know why? Because you did not invite them into those areas. Jesus is the same way. 
Oh, you might have accepted him as your savior, but here's my question. Is he Lord over your money? Is he Lord over your relationship? Is he Lord over your family? Is he Lord over your marriage? Because if he's not, you know what happens? You just got him invited to your living room. And that's that's the only place he can go. And see, here's the thing. This veil that I'm talking about, your will, it has to come down in order for Jesus to come in. And nobody's stopping that will from coming down but us. Let me tell you what I know. And I'm testifying and I'm closing right here. Yeah, I'm closing. Praise the Lord. Listen. Uh, in, when I was 20 years old, in 1985, October the, the 6th, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. Now, before I gave my life to him, I grew up Presbyterian. So I, I didn't really hear a message on heaven or hell. So I grew up in a Christian home. So to me, I was a Christian. You know, everybody's a Christian. But what I did know is unless I made a personal decision to let Jesus into my life, unless I brought down the veil of my heart and I let him in, I wasn't a Christian. And so, you know, I was at uh, school. Uh, I went to Prairie View and m University. Hey, all the PVites, you know. And so I went to the school. And, man, it was the party school. We were known to party. That's what we did, right? We started on Wednesday. And we ended on Sunday night. So I'll never forget. It was a Saturday. We was partying. Me and my cousin, he gone to be with the Lord now. He probably, you know, one of the door people up there. He's a bouncer, so he probably making sure that everybody getting to heaven is supposed to be in there. So anyway, me and him, we, man, we partying hard. I mean, like hard. And so we in this place and we partying on campus. So, you know, that night we got in probably, I don't know, 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. And, you know, my parents, the one thing they did say, listen, you're you going to leave me in my house. You're going to go to church. That's what my dad said. So, I knew we were supposed to go to church. Now, I know we wasn't at home, but, you know, the, the conviction still... St- see, see, parents, listen, train up the child in the way that they should go. You make them go to church. But, Pastor, you shouldn't make them go because when they get old, they ain't going to go. Make them go now. So what? Make them go. Well, I don't know if I can make Junior go. Does Junior eat your food? Does Junior breathe your air? Is Junior sleeping in your bed? Junior got to go to church. So I was going to church, right? Me and my cousin. I said, man, cousin, let's get up and go to church. We go to church. And guess what? The same room where we was having the party was the same room we was having church. That was weird to me. I mean, I wasn't saved, but I knew that, hey, the room that you smoke weed in is not the same room you're supposed to have church in. So they having church, right? Man, we having church. And uh, it was testimony Sunday. Like I'm doing right now, I'm testifying. It was testimony Sunday. And I didn't know what that was. Because, you know, at the Presbyterian Church, whenever you say something, they call it the time of sharing. And the time of sharing is where you just talk about stuff like, Evan's home from school today. Well, good to see you, Evan. Everybody give Evan a hand clap for being home from college. That kind of stuff. Not testifying of what the Lord has done in your life. So I ain't never seen no testimony. So all these, you know, people getting up, testifying on what the Lord has done. And what was amazing to me is some of these people testifying with some of the same people I was dancing with that night. That really brought confusion to me. I'm like, oh my God. Are these people saved? I don't know. 
So you know what I did? I just listened. And so the, the preacher, because I don't know if he was a pastor, but the preacher, you know what he did? He said, okay, no more testimonies. Uh, we're going to close the service. Thank you all so much for coming up and sharing. And this one guy was bold. He's like, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, no, no. I, I got one more testimony. And I'm like, this guy is bold. He is telling the preacher, because I ain't never seen nothing like this. He's telling the preacher, no, I got to say something. And so I'm like, well, I'm going to listen to this dude before he gets slapped. So he comes up there and he's like, yeah, you know. And so he starts telling what the Lord has done in his life. He's like, yeah, and I'm living for the Lord. And I've been living for the Lord this long. And he said, if you want to see somebody live for the Lord, watch me. And I'm like, what? This dude is bragging on living with the Lord. I said, I'm going to check him out. So for two weeks, I was checking this dude out because he lived in my dorm. See, I was an RA, so I, I kind of knew of everybody. And I'm checking this guy out. And when I saw him, you know, a couple of times, I asked him some questions. And I realized for the first time in my life, if I died, I was going to split hell wide open. Boop! Evans here! And I realized I need to get saved. Now, I didn't know that I could get saved over the internet like some of y'all going to do just in a few minutes here. I didn't know that. I didn't know that I could do it in my dorm room. I, I just realized, I said, you know what, I got to go to my church and get saved. Well, thank God, God had mercy on me and I lived. So that next weekend, I drove all the way home from Houston, Prairie View. I walked up in the church. I went to the pastor's office and said, hey, uh, Mark, you know, we didn't even call the pastor, pastor. We just called him by his name. I was like, hey, Mark, how you doing? Hey, Evan, how you doing from school? I'm like, I'm good. I said, hey, I want to get saved today. And he knew what I was saying. He said, oh, you want to give your life to Jesus Christ today? I said, yeah. He said, okay, after the service, after my my talk, because it wasn't a message. It was like a a talk or a speech. He says, after that, I'm going to call you up and I'm going to ask you some questions and then you'll be saved. I said, okay. Now, that's new to me because I ain't never seen nobody do this. So I'm like, okay, well, this is interesting. So after he got through with his talk, he said, there's a young man here today that wants to give his life to Jesus Christ. Come on up here, Evan. And I went up there and uh, he asked me, you know, some basic questions. He said, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God? I said, yeah. I said, do you believe that he uh, was born of a virgin Mary? I said, yeah. He said, do you believe that God raised him up from the dead? I said, yeah. And he said, do you believe that his blood washes away all of your sin? I said, yeah. He says, well, on the confession of your, based upon the confession of your faith, you are now saved. And he prayed a prayer. And when I walked back to my seat on October 6, 1985, my life was not the same. Now, I know these songs that we sing that are not scriptural. I looked at my hands and they looked new. I looked at my feet and they were new too. They weren't new. They didn't look new. But I was new on the inside. I didn't feel nothing, but I knew something had happened. And my change in my life, you have to understand now, I had never read the Bible before. So now I'm reading the Bible for the first time. I'm like, man, here we go. I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I'm like, man, this Jesus died four times. I don't know that all four books kind of say the same thing. I didn't know that. I'm reading. I'm thinking, wow, he was raised from the dead four different times. Wow, Jesus tough. He died four times. He did four stabbings, four, four crosses. He good. Well, I, re- I figured out that that wasn't the case. I, I just didn't know, right? So I'm reading this Bible, and my life begins to change. And so I, I, I'm reaching to a point where I'm talking to you right now, because. I had to make a decision one day to give Jesus my life. I had to let down the veil of my will and let him in.
But what nobody told me, what I'm telling you today, they didn't tell me that I was going to have to let down my will and say yes more than one time. See, I let him in and said yes for him to be my savior so I wouldn't go to hell because, you know, I, I ain't fit for hell. I, I, me and hell just don't do no good. I, I, I just don't, I don't think I would look good in hell. So I'm like, no, I can't go there, right? But then when it was time for him to ask me to be a preacher, here we go. I had to let the veil of my will down and say yes. Now I'm closing with this right here because Jesus said, the day that you hear my voice or you hear me knocking on the door, he says, harden not your heart. Let me explain that. When someone is doing like I'm doing and you can feel the Spirit of God moving and you know you need to make a decision, and let's say that decision is to get saved, that decision needs to rededicate your life, whatever decision it is, and, and, and instead of making the decision, you choose not to, or watch this, you harden your heart. Here's the danger. You don't know when your heart will ever be at that place again to be soft enough to say yes. He said, that's why the day you hear it, don't harden your heart. Listen to me. Listen, listen, listen. So with every head bowed right there, there's some people watching me at home. Here's my question to you. If you died today, are you 100% sure you go to heaven? Because if you're not 100% sure, I want to pray for you. And there are some people watching me right now. You know you're not saved. I don't know how you got to this channel. I don't know how you got to this Facebook page. But for some reason, you're watching me. And I'm talking to you right now. You said, I feel like he's talking to me. I am. Here's my question. If you die today, are you 100% sure you go to heaven? Because if you're not, I want to pray for you. And then there are some people who have made a decision to make Jesus the Lord of their life.